0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's always good to have you here. Thank you so much for helping us out and supporting our programming available at all major networks, uh, including, uh, what is it? Of course, Apple and Google and Spotify, Pandora, which was the latest acquisition. Uh, Thank you so much for the people at Pandora for including our programming there. And so now you can find us literally anywhere. So iHeartRadio, CBS Radio, uh, all the biggest platforms carry our programming, thanks to the good people like yourself. So, again, thank you so much. On the show today lawyer Francis Jackson talking about veterans' benefits. And this is such uh, an important uh, topic and dear to my heart, Francis Jackson is an an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits as well as Social Security disability benefits, a founding partner of Jackson McNichol. He has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability, disabilities. He has also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge's Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored in, uh, by the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors with a Quilley Award in September of 2012. For his joint author to the Amazon bestselling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted in America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information, visit veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Bert. As you know, it's always a pleasure for
0: me to talk with you. Well, you know what? This is kind of a historic time. It, it, uh, it's uh, interesting. Uh, here we are, November 3rd, and right now history is being made. Uh, I say that uh, because we get to elect a new president or keep the old president. I, I, however you look at it, we get to elect a president today, so I think that's always historic. And um, so uh, talking about veterans and, and, and all things American kind of just, uh, you know, uh, makes it all that much more memorable to me anyway. And so it's good to have you on the show today. Absolutely. I, I wanted to kind of, uh, if you don't mind, I wanted to kind of visit something, some of the topics that we talked about uh, on our last uh, episode or last show, uh, specifically sure. uh, having to deal with uh, new legislation for veterans, veterans. Uh, and seeing if if you had any updates uh, about uh, any existing legislation that are important to uh, developments today
1: sure um, a couple of things Bert the uh, uh, as as you remember one of the things we talked about was the uh, bill that was pending to uh, deal with suicide among veterans uh, as as you know that's been a recurring consistent ongoing problem with um, Typically, about 20 veterans or active-duty troops um, die by suicide every day, which is not a, not a good thing. And so, um, the the president on Saturday signed um, a major piece of legislation called the Commander John Scott Hannon Veterans Mental Health Care Improvement Act, which is a, a mouthful, but <laughs> what uh, what that does. Um, Despite the long title, you can you can summarize it pretty easily. It, it dramatically expands services for suicide prevention for veterans. Um, and one of the points that Secretary Wilkie, uh, the the uh, VA uh, sec- cabinet level secretary, <clears throat> uh, made, and I thought it was was really right on. He said that one of the big problems with suicide prevention for veterans is that many of the veterans who ultimately commit suicide are not treating through the VA's, um, you know, health services, mental health or otherwise. So it makes it harder for them to get access to those people for purposes of suicide prevention. And so one of the things that this bill does is to allow the VA to give money to um, community organizations, that are already handling suicide prevention and let them expand their programs to work with veterans in particular. So that's a, that's a big deal. Um, one, of the, one of the disappointing parts of the bill is that it originally contained some provisions about um, gun safety in particular because firearms are involved in about 70% of all veteran suicides and so um, there was some language in the, in the original legislation that would have emphasized the need for um, safe storage of, of, uh, of firearms, and in particular, the need to place firearms um, out of the uh, immediate reach of, of people who are in crisis. Um, and unfortunately, that, uh, that segment got cut out of the bill by the Republican majority in the Senate, but it nonetheless is an excellent bill that does good things, it will help. Um, and I, I am very encouraged that it passed in what, as you know, has been a barely divided session of, uh, of uh, the Congress, uh, particularly at the Senate level. And so that's, that's very good news. Um, I am hopeful that uh, uh, the fact that the VA has the uh, the gun issue still on on their radar uh, will ultimately lead to uh, some further legislation uh, helping with that issue as well. But for right now, um, we've we've gotten one major step forward. One of the things that is going to happen is they are going to roll out a new 9/11 equivalent. Um, it's going to be nine one nine eight eight instead of nine one one for the National Suicide Hotline, wow. and that will uh, that will you know simplify uh, and speed up access for uh, for folks who are um, facing uh, disturbing moments when they're they're contemplating the possibility of suicide. So all those things are are good and helpful, and I am I am very hopeful very hopeful that it will, uh, it will really have an impact. The uh, fellow is named after just—I uh, don't know if you would remember—but um, Commander uh, Hannon was a uh, former member of SEAL Team Six, and uh, you know is is probably a, a poster child for post-traumatic stress. Uh, so. Uh, it's uh, it's fitting that uh, that that's that bill has been named for him and is going forward so all in all i i think it's a, a big win for veterans uh, it's i had i had hoped for a little more but you know you take what you can
0: get absolutely and and the great thing about it is this is something that they can build on if they this you know if they choose to but i think it's 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 exciting it's great development it is has there been any other new developments in legislation
1: there is there's uh, one other um, uh, I, I guess you could call it even related um, uh, bill that that was also signed on Saturday by uh, President Trump and what that bill does it's not focused on suicide prevention specifically but it's focused on expanding uh, mental health care and what what it does specifically is it authorizes the VA to provide Mental health care for National Guard and Reserve troops. Now, as you as you probably remember from when we talked about this before, the um, the current uh, legislation allows counseling for Guard and Reserve members who were deployed in combat, but excluded those folks who participated in things like drug interdiction or fighting national disasters or emergencies, you know, people recovering bodies after the fires in California, for example, right. uh, that sort of thing. And so this, um, this bill expands the ability, the, the authority of the VA to provide counseling to uh, Guard and Reserve members who have been in those kinds of situations, even though they weren't deployed to combat but um, situations like that, which can still precipitate significant um, mental health issues. So that's, uh, that's another step um, and you know, it's a, uh, it's just a a part of the ongoing process to help veterans with these critical issues. And I was very pleased to see that uh, it passed
0: and that uh,
1: President Trump signed it and it's now the law of the land.
0: Man, that's great stuff. That's good. Uh, uh, I'm excited as well. That's that's uh, that's monumental. And you know what's amazing about some of the stuff is how long it takes for to get this stuff uh, into law. It just it's like moving a mountain. It is. The
1: the political scene, as as you know, at the moment is just. Very, very polarized. So it's hard to move things through, and unfortunately, some of the legislation that you and I had talked about on the last show uh, ended up being shunted aside by the uh, the fight over the the latest nomination to the Supreme Court. But with any luck, uh, it'll it'll it will still um, remain viable and get passed in, in some future date. But um, I was very pleased to see that these two bills at least made it through and, and have
0: been signed by the president and are now law. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. All right, any addition to the new caregiver benefits, uh, uh, things like well, uh, older veterans getting uh, getting other help? Uh,
1: not so much there, but a couple of, of kind of related things. Um, one one uh, thing that... Uh, is going on. I, I don't believe you and I have talked about it, but you may well have heard about it. The, uh, the national health care program for veterans called TRICARE, which um, covers lots of veterans and especially military retirees, um, the VA is, is uh, trying to Fund that better. So one of the ways that they've uh, asked Congress to let them fund it is by imposing a a modest level of fees to uh, individuals who are enrolled or uh, families. And you know these these aren't outrageous, but it's it's a fee that didn't exist before. So for um, the uh, the folks um, who are individual retirees, it would be $150 a year. For monthly family fees, it would be uh, 300 a year. So, you know, it's not uh, it's not a, a huge imposition, but it, it's a it's a cost. And sure. so, uh, the the chair of the uh, of the veterans committee in the Senate, um, Senator Tester, has uh, has asked the VA to postpone those fees, which were supposed to go into effect uh, shortly and has asked them to uh, postpone those fees given the kind of financial burdens that the whole COVID crisis has imposed on lots of folks and that's still up in the air. It's not clear whether uh, Secretary uh, Esper from the the, uh, Department of Defense, which is the one that actually manages the TRICARE program uh, is going to postpone those or whether those are going to be imposed but hopeful that Given the current COVID uh, situation, and particularly these recent increases in numbers, that uh, the secretary will see his way clear to uh, delay those uh, the, delay the imposition of those fees uh, for another year. But that's that's the, the the jury's still out on
0: that, as they say in, in my business.
1: So we'll we'll have to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it, just real quick, uh, you know, when when a lot of us think about veterans, we always think of uh, of older individuals. Um, what about our younger vets? Uh, is there any new help for them? Well, um, there's a, there's an interesting piece. Um,
1: it, it's it's not exactly age specific, but it probably will mostly benefit younger veterans, and that's. Uh, some research that they've been doing in, of all places, Uzbekistan. Uh, Uzbekistan is one of those places that was never on any, any uh, anybody's map in the U.S. for a long time. It was part of the Soviet Union, but after the uh, the breakup of the of the Soviet Union and the splitting off of a lot of the, the stands, as it were, um, <laughs> Uzbekistan is one of the places that split off and is now a uh, is now working with the U.S. and we've had troops stationed there who were actually supporting uh, other, other troops in primarily in Afghanistan. But the important part about this is that folks that were stationed at uh, what they call K2, which is a, a, a base, uh, it's actually Karshi Kanaba band, um, which is why they abbreviated it K2. Uh, but it's a, it's an old Soviet base that, existed in Uzbekistan and a lot of people there uh, a lot of people who served there have been getting mysteriously ill so the uh, Department of Defense has been uh, doing some testing there and what they found was that very very high levels of, uh, of uh, radiation mm. um, and that, um, the turns out that the Soviets had a chemical weapons decontamination unit um, on that base that was uh, adjacent to where our folks are stationed now. And the the satellite imagery shows that there was a big explosion there in 93 at the base's Weapons Depot, and that apparently scattered a lot of toxic material, including asbestos and refined uranium ore around. so the readings there are now like seven to nine times higher than normal background radiation, and so there's uh, a lot of, of uh, suspicion that that's the cause of people developing these unusual cancers and such things among relatively young uh, veterans, and it's uh, it's a uh, an issue that they're looking into. Nothing has has really um, been finalized so far, but um, the uh, the VA, of course, at this point has no presumption or anything like that, more people serving at this base. So you have to prove individually that uh, not only that you served there, but that you were exposed to something bad, and that that's what's causing you to be ill, and, and so on. But um, the fact that DOD is... is researching it and looking into it and and getting the, uh, the information will make it easier for a lot of these uh, young uh, veterans
0: to uh, to potentially become eligible for benefits. Sure. Sure. And and I want to throw this out there because you said something that again, a lot of people will just, uh, will gloss over and that is, you know, you have to prove that you were there and and you think that that would sometimes be easy, and it probably is fairly easy to prove that you were stationed there uh, or stationed at some place that uh, that is, uh, let's say, questionable or has health uh, questionable health issues surrounding that. But sometimes uh, things get lost. Uh, people, uh, we call it mis-input uh, data. Uh, and something as big as the Department of Defense People sometimes make clerical mistakes, and you—you you might have been at a post, and—and uh, and unfortunately, somebody entered the wrong information. They weren't paying attention. Your—your your name sounds familiar. I mean, uh, whatever the situation is, all of a sudden, uh, something that should be simple—hey, I was posted at, at this location—all of a sudden becomes a nightmare to prove. That's just one of the things that you—that uh, I'm assuming you have to deal with all the time. Is that right? it is it's a it's a
1: real it's a real issue and uh you know just as an example you and I have talked a lot about uh, vietnam veterans and exposure to agent orange and the presumptions about that and recently uh some folks at the va working with the uh, folks at archives unearthed a, a whole um, set of records showing that uh folks who were not previously listed as having been uh, in Vietnam had actually been assigned there on temporary duty. And and we're talking like, uh, you know, thousands, I I think it's over 20,000 troops that they were talking about. So, you know, it's, it's it's that kind of a thing. um, Because the problem is for a lot of these folks, you know, they're exposed to something now and it ultimately causes uh, a, a, a bad disease, lymphoma, lung cancer, various other cancers, but those things take a long time to develop, and so you're 20, 30 years down the road. By the time you're trying to reconstruct what happened, and and that's that's part of the challenge in representing veterans is to be able to find ways to go back and reconstruct the, uh, the what had happened and to prove. You know somebody was there or not there at a particular place at a particular time, and as you were as you were uh, highlighting, it it's often critical in terms of people's entitlement to get benefits. So it's a it's a real issue, and it's nice that, to see that uh, Department of Defense is is digging into uh, the K two base, and I'm hopeful that that's going to help some folks ultimately uh, get the benefits they deserve for uh, these uh, various illnesses.
0: Absolutely uh, you know again this is uh, I've said this before, and so I'm going to say it again now is that uh, I was not aware of this until my association with you and and uh, I'm always appalled and amazed at the some of the work that you have to go through, but uh, you know our brave men and women they come back and they have to now fight the government to get their benefits It's just one of those things that's that uh, you know, they have to prove not only were they posted there, now they have to prove in some cases that the work they did uh, exposed them to something or injured them in some way that was directly uh, due to whatever work they were doing for the military. And it's this kind of uh, craziness that uh, makes our veterans uh, suffer and makes their family suffer. And, and and sometimes it can take a decade to get these benefits earned I guess or approved and it's just it blows my mind it just it's just such a, a sad fact that here you are you put your life on the line you go and you and you defend our country and then you come back and now you have to fight for your benefits it, it's uh, it's uh, one of those sad things that people are just not aware of
1: yeah it's it's not I mean outside of the veterans community it's not widely known but it's uh, it it certainly is a problem
0: absolutely and uh you know with all this other stuff happening in uh in what has to be the strangest year uh that I've uh that I can recall 2020 i mean you know on top of uh, covid and economic uh what do you call it upheaval and and all this other stuff now on top of that you got to fight for your your benefits um hey speaking of speaking of covid uh, how how is covid affecting are veterans, um, as uh, as you and I talked about on
1: the last show, Bert, um, the um, the folks that um, the the VA serves tend to be older and uh, have more underlying problems than a lot of other populations. So as a result, uh, a lot of those folks have. Uh, have had significant problems with COVID. And as a, as a group, the, the veterans that are being treated within the VA's healthcare system uh, are, uh, are significantly uh, uh, more susceptible to COVID and both the, the uh, infection rate and the, the death rates have been higher.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, and, uh, And I can imagine that uh, for some of our vets who might have some kind of, uh, I'll say uh, pulmonary or lung deficiency based on, you know, you and I've talked about burn pits, but there's other things that may affect their lungs that again, has to increase their likelihood of being uh, affected.
1: Absolutely, Bert. And, you know, um, there, there are, I mean, the, the VA has has pitched in and and uh, tried to make uh, facilities available for um, the, uh, the local communities where they serve to uh, to help with COVID. But in terms of the impact on veterans, because you're you're talking about uh, a group of people who are are older and and the folks in in VA healthcare tend to be sicker, uh, there's been a, a a disproportionate level of impact.
0: And, uh, you know, I want to kind of just uh, talk about this kind of changing, I guess, uh, hats a little bit, and that is, again, something I I wasn't aware about until you and I became friends, and that is that a veteran really can't even get any kind of help with their claim until after their claim has been denied, correct? Is that still the same?
1: That is true bert as as far as I know the v a is the only agency in the entire government where you cannot hire and pay an attorney to help you file a claim that's that's prohibited in the in the v a uh, but uh, so the way it it typically works if we're helping people um, sometimes in in some special situations where we're able to uh, Uh, to help people for free but uh, you know that's obviously uh, not something we can do a huge amount just because we have to stay in business but uh, uh, primarily we we get people after they've had an initial decision from the VA and and either the VA turned them down for one or more benefits or the VA gave them a very low rating uh, as you'll recall the rating system in the VA ranges anywhere from 0 to 100. And so people who get a, a 0% rating or a 10% rating often feel that they've been not uh, well-treated by VA, and they, they tend to appeal those uh, if they think they have a more serious condition. So we, we see lots of both uh, denials and low ratings. And hey, – Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'll my, say, my apologies.
0: Hey, hey. No, no, I, I, for us, for us, uh, what do you call it, lay folks, uh, what what does the rating mean? Uh, I know what it means be, again, because of my association with you now, but why don't you explain what the rating and, and how that affects somebody's uh, benefits? Sure. You
1: know, a lot of folks tend to think that VA disability is like social security disability where either the social security folks find you disabled or they find you not disabled. It's, you know, it's black or white. You, you're only, right. There are only two possible outcomes. The VA does it quite differently. Um, what the VA does is they look at each condition that you have and they assign a rating. If, if you are found to have uh, that condition connected to your service in some way, and it doesn't matter whether that rating um, is about your little toe or it's about your mental health or it's about your breathing. Every, every condition, every medical condition that that you can, you can define, the VA has a rating system that applies to it. Now, uh, a lot of the major things have their own specific rating system. If, if it's not one of the majors, if it's something maybe a little less common, uh, what they will typically do is they will do what they call rating by analogy, meaning, if you have a lung condition, but it's not one of the ones that they specifically rate, they say, okay, what is this lung condition closest to? You know, is it more like bronchitis? Is it more like tuberculosis? Is it more like COPD? Is it more like lung cancer? They'll pick the one that they think is closest, and they'll say, okay, if we if we rate it based on this system, then we can assign a 10% rating or a 30% rating or a 70% rating or what, whatever the appropriate rating happens to be under the code that they've assigned. So once you get a rating for more than one condition, then VA combines them. And, you know, most people would think if you have a rating of 10% for ringing in your ears, tinnitus, and you have a rating of 30% for uh, breathing problems with COPD, for asbestosis, and you have a rating of 50% for PTSD, most people would say, well, that's 90%, because we've taken 50 and 30 and 10, and we've added them up. that's not how it works with the VA. Um, The (laughs) VA has what they call a combined ratings chart. And uh, I I know it it raises some chuckles when when you talk about this. I, I always talk about VA fuzzy math. Because it's yeah. not any, any other kind of math, but but what they do, uh, Bert, is they they try to assign uh, what they view as an appropriate rating for the degree of loss of earning capacity. So somebody that's um, at a hundred percent, they think that person has lost their earning capacity, and they pay them a little over three thousand a month. If the person, on the other hand, is at 10%. Um, they get about $100 a month, and obviously, in between, it changes. the uh, The part that that makes the the rating system so hard for people to understand is that in the example I just gave you, where you have a 50, a 30, and a 10, what the VA would do is they would start with the largest one, which is the 50%. They'd say, "Okay." this person has lost 50% of their earning capacity and we're going to pay them, I I don't remember the exact number for a 50% rating right off, but it's around 1500 a month, approximately. And then they say, okay, and then we've got a 30%. But instead of taking 30% of of a whole, of 100%, they take 30% of the remaining 50%. So they say, you're already 50% disabled, so we've already covered that 50%. Now, it's 50% less. You've got a 30%. So we're going to take 30% of 50%. So it's really 15% you're adding, not 30. And they do the same with the with the 10% on top of that, so that you can end up with um, a rating of like uh, 70% for um, a 50 and a 30 and a 10, which by most math would be 90% and so it it gets uh, it gets complicated the way they do it but um i mean they there is a there is a a theory to it and once once you understand how the theory works it's you know you can you can work it out it's never intuitive but you can you can at least figure it out but it's uh, it's a it's an unusual system and and most people uh, you know look at the numbers and say well if you add 50 and 30 and 10 it ought to be 90 but it's not in
0: VA. Yeah. Uh, the VA math. I love it. And and again, this is one of those things that uh, people are always shocked to find out how weird uh, the VA is to work with. And, and the fact that when I tell them that there's uh, people like yourself who help our veterans get their, their benefits, they just scratch their head and they, they didn't realize just like I didn't realize all the different hurdles and and sometimes mountains that some of our veterans have to scale to get their benefits. And, and as I mentioned earlier, it can take an extremely long time. If it, So if it wasn't for people like you, they're at veteransbenefits.com. Literally there'd be, I can say now because you've been in business for so long, thousands of veterans who would still be suffering.
1: Unfortunately, that's true, Bert. It's, uh, but the, the good news is that, there are a lot more uh, veterans benefits attorneys than there used to be when, when uh, the national organization of uh, veterans advocates was, was formed in 1993 at our initial formation meeting in Virginia. That I think there were about 30 people there. And at the last Nova conference, um, they had about 500. So, you know, it's uh, wow, we've come a long way since 1993, but there's still a long ways to go. There are lots of folks who, who um, don't uh, don't get help and and need the help. And so we really appreciate you helping
0: us get the word out that there is help. Absolutely. And and uh, we're going to end on that note. Uh, Francis Jackson, veteransbenefits.com is the website. Francis, thank you so much for stopping by today.
1: My pleasure, Bert.
0: All righty. Good stuff there from attorney Francis Jackson, uh, one of America's most trusted lawyers in the field of of uh, disability law. And if you know a veteran, if you know a family, even if the, even if they've been turned down or better yet, maybe they don't even need any help. Let them know about veteransbenefits.com. It's, it's free to them. Um, they, there's tons of resources there. They can talk to Francis or anybody on his team and they can get tons of help. They can get pointed in the right direction. And as Francis says, a lot of times they are able to help, uh, for free and, and, uh, they can certainly listen for free and they can, and they can really, uh, really make a huge impact. So today get out there and vote and then tell people about veteransbenefits.com. If you come across a veteran, say thank you so much for your service, or maybe you see somebody who's, uh, uh, um, uh would call it, uh, in service. And so again, thank them and let them know about veteransbenefits.com. as always, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by and remember, um, we appreciate all the uh, all the support. We truly do. You were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.